Hey guys, what's up? This is Minefields. Welcome to it. My name is Joshua Michael. This is my best friend in the whole world, Colin. Welcome to it. <laughs> I'm in Colorado because I'm awesome. And if you're not in Colorado, you suck. Unless you're like in some place cool like Seattle where you can go see Hole. The only, the only, what? Hole? Shut up. <laughs> Gross. Dude, you haven't watched enough Beavis and Butthead. Anytime any they ever oh. mention Seattle, like, cool, we can go see Hole. Now, that's, uh, you... that's despicable. That's gross. <laughs> Dude, they announced new Beavis and Butthead coming out. Two seasons of it. I don't need it. Comedy? Oh, I sure as hell do. I fucking love that show. I would... I would. I, there's so many other things. Like, give me some more Eon Flux if you're going to give me more MTV-related cartoons. I've had plenty. I've had... The, the amount of Eon Flux I've had is just plenty. If I've had any more... If I had any more new Eon Flux, I'd be one of those guys that was constantly, like, watching way too much hentai and hugging a Japanese pillow. Is it a pillow from Japan, or is it a person? It, is it a pillow made out of a Japanese person? No, it's a body pillow. <laughs> you never know what you can get in a vending machine in Japan, uh, but it's a body pillow from Japan with a hot hentai chick on it. Japan, making the world's best weird shit since 1974. However, the United States, god damn it, since 1980... Actually, late 70s has been making some of the best television up until maybe the the early 90s. I don't know. You, that's debatable. You, no, no. I've got a, got a theory on this, and I've told it to you before, but I think you forgot. Now, let's go back to what you've been watching the past couple uh, days with, uh, with your family. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Carry on. You've been watching a lot of Magnum P.I. For real, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am uh, spending a, uh, a, a most of a week, if not a full week, at my mom's place looking after her right now because she's uh, experiencing some uh, health issues. And, um, uh, you know, like, you know, you're in a relationship with somebody, your mom or whoever you're like romantically with or whoever you live with, your roommates. And you yeah, know yeah. there's something and it's like, hey, I want to watch this. Well, I want to watch that. Like, I could, uh, on at any given moment, the worst episode of Star Trek is still better than almost anything on television in the middle of the day. And Correct. there's plenty of Star Trek, right? I'm ready to watch Star Trek all the time. Mom, not into it. So where do we find a middle? Because I'm not going to sit there and watch Aerial America and Antiques Roadshow or and as much as I love Josh Gates on Expedition People's, Unknown, People's Court. The, the, no, no, we the, don't watch that. The, I'm saying like the, my mom's got stuff. She absolutely. She's oh well. What's that one? Oh well, Josh Gates is on. Like she she'll get excited about that stuff, and that's fine. But like because I've I've had relationships where you're just like oh hey what are we gonna watch? Uh, uh, just put it on HGTV. At least I can watch people using tools. Like yeah. my mom and I gravitate towards magnum pi because we both love that show and it's just like i'll tell you what i cannot get over all of these 
actresses making guest appearances on that show and just it i i can't get over how young they looked like i just saw the episode with mimi rogers uh, oh my god that woman day, is a and fox. i could not believe how young she was which is so ridiculous because we were all that young once but like right. It's but, crazy because, like, some people look really young when they're young, and some people just, you know, you can't tell how old they are. I feel like I've only known in my life Mimi Rogers to be at, at least post 30, maybe 40 or something like that. Because my first most, exposure was uh, that uh, Lost in Space movie with Matt LeBlanc and John Hurt. Most people's exposure to her was fucking uh, Austin Powers, man. I totally uh, didn't even remember. Like, I, yeah, dude. Honestly, she, Austin Powers has just gone out of my head. I don't even well, think about it. That's very a much. good thing. But I, I want to talk about Tom Selleck, who is the epitome oh, of manliness. Love he he Tom oozes, Selleck. It, like, okay, so like when it comes down to people, like, I, I, I listen to a lot of Mark Maron for some goddamn reason, which makes no sense to me because he's so goddamn depressing. But yeah. he does talk about a lot of toxic masculinity. And I can he's got a lot of great valid points, and I completely agree with like ninety nine percent of what he says up until a point because i I was born in nineteen eighty two and I was raised on a steady diet of kick ass badass dudes always winning, always oh, saving the day and uh and <laughs> uh, like okay like Let the me guys cut in the, real quick I watched yeah. Rambo first blood part two <laughs> while I was working out today. Like, I'm going to work out as long as this movie is on, and when it's over, I know I'm yeah. done. Like, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that, that, dude, that, that's a perfect parallel to this. Because it's, it's it, it, in the, the equation, which is the uh, foundation for all of my half-baked ideas, like that idea of that wrestling movie I want to make with you. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, uh, where we're sleazebag promoters in the 80s, um, is based on the 80s formula that never failed. You got at least one to four dudes that are like best friends. <laughs> like, like no betrayal whatsoever. Uh, they all have a cool car. So the A-team, the van, the Corvette, Knight Rider, the, the Trans Am, uh, Magnum P.I., the, what, what Ferrari was it? A th- it's Ferrari 305. Yeah, uh, Miami Vice. They had a Porsche and a Ferrari. No, 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 Two- it was always Ferraris. It was the Ferrari Daytona 365. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I always, I always get them mixed up because it's like I always thought that that the black one was a uh, oh, the car, gosh. not the yeah. dude, uh, was <laughs> was a uh, like a, a, a ripoff 911. Yeah. Dude, that guy owned reprising a a uh, facsimile of his uh, of his role in uh, Miami Vice in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It was it was badass. Dude, I have and, got to play that game. I have never played it. There are – I played that game for two weeks for even attempting any missions because I was just cruising around, killing hookers, randomly assaulting people, and just driving around, stealing cars, and, and switching the radio station always to the wave, which was the new wave station, which they played Sick. like – Yeah. They, like amazing. Yeah, yeah carry on. It, anyway, so we're talking Magnum PI. Like these guys – Wait, wait. I want to go back one. At the beginning of coronavirus – yeah. Uh, my Twitch friend, my friend who's on Twitch, she was playing a lot of uh, GTA Online, and it, it, I was like, I gotta play GTA Three again. I love GTA Three, 
and I always switch to uh, Rise FM. If you guys haven't listened to that music in a while, oh yeah, go, just go to YouTube, look it up. Crazy, just hilarious, fun nightclub music. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, like, and, and I hesitate to say it because it, it dates me, but I don't want to sound like that loser, like '80s guy, like in Napoleon Dynamite, his uncle that just wishes it was '82 again. <laughs> but but I, I I still kind of do, but not to relive my glory days, but because everything in the '80s to me was the coolest shit in the world. I mean, it, everything was new. I was a kid. Thundercats. I know, man. Yeah. Thundercats, G.I. Joe, Magnum P.I., Knight Rider. Like, I I would have done anything to have had a best friend like Crockett and Tubbs. Like, no questions asked. They might have had to brood for a while. I mean, but I got you oh, now. Got so it's like, it's for perfect. the whole first season, though. Yeah, but that's fine. You and I have duked it out a few times. <laughs> Only in the yeah. bar where we got kicked out that one time. And then. Yeah. Definitely and the, chops in New Orleans. Give yeah, me. and then no, don't forget that time I picked you up and slapped you on the ground and you punched me in the face. My ex girlfriend's yep. apart. I still uh, can't fit into a certain pair of cowboy boots because my foot isn't shaped right after that incident. Those, those cowboy boots suck. All right, so back to the oh, formula. Now. Come on. <laughs> back to the formula. It One to four kick-ass dudes. All best friends. One token hot chick. We got the reporter and A team. There is a rotating one, a rotating assembly of them, and and Magnum PI. Hell, we can even talk uh, the Dukes of Hazard. They had the General Lee, uh, uh, whatever you want to say about it. it was still a kick-ass uh, Dodge a uh, Challenger car, Charger, and uh, and decent theme song, which is my next point. Kick-ass oh, theme song. Night Rider, say, Miami Vice. <laughs> I I stopped short. Oh, man. All right. Another coronavirus story. I stopped short of po- of making a meme during the beginning week of coronavirus because of a line from the song from Dukes of Hazard. I was going to post a picture of the Duke boys that said, be like the Duke boys, uh, flatten or like uh, straightening the curve, flattening the hills. I don't think anybody would have got it, but... Dude, the the best Dukes of Hazard meme I saw was them uh, posing by the General Lee, like as like a probably like a magazine ad. Mm-hmm. But the the Confederate flag on top was all blurred out. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. Like I'm not saying that like uh, what's going on right now is hilarious because that is absolutely legitimate and I completely understand. But just the the, the humor in it because th- this meme came out like I want to say like I saw it like eight years ago. Yeah, um, for real. I saw it eight years ago before even joking about it was taboo, but that's neither here nor there right now because we want to talk about comic books. We've got a great uh, – wait, hold on. Let me finish. Yeah, my Magnum P.I., there, man. Come on. There's the hot, there's the hot chick. Uh, what else was there? The, killer, the kick-ass theme song. Uh, also – the nerdy uh, person, the nerdy guy. Uh, the nerds the... were their own race in the 80s, it seemed. The nerd – If you were going to be – multi-racial in the 80s you had to have a nerdy guy yeah you had to have the nerdy guy in Knight Rider it was the chick who was like the the engineer on kit or like Uh, uh, even go to like the Flash series with uh the I can't remember her name now the professor in Star City never mind sorry carry on in a team they didn't really have a nerd they had the crazy guy but then they eventually brought in uh Santana the uh, the demolitions expert when ratings really started crashing and they needed a Mex uh, a, a, a pseudo Mexican Puerto Rican like as long as he's brown he's in the show um, <laughs> guy uh, like it, it was it was still good but 
Uh, okay, so we did theme song. Oh, also the fact that you never saw anyone die or actually get shot uh, when it came to like shootouts with the bad guys. In the A-Team, anytime you saw – because every single episode of the A-Team and Knight Rider had at least one car going up uh, – getting like <laughs> yeah. going up a, a hidden ramp to flip it. But or if or if they're they're shooting at the car, it flips. Uh, you will always see them cut back to the bad guys either get out of the car mildly scathed or <laughs> or <laughs> mildly scathed, not yeah. unscathed, <laughs> right? <laughs> or or if the car was completely like pancaked, you hear them go, "Hey, Johnson, you okay? Yeah, man, I'm good." Like they always had to check up on the bad I'm guys. GI Joe. Let's jump out of a helicopter that's burning <laughs> with a parachute. One of my favorite uh, things about the uh, a very undersung movie was The Last Action Hero, was mm. that they even went so far as to cast the same stunt dudes that were the same stunt dudes in all of the 80s movies and as well as the 80s TV show. Like, was it Vince uh, the, Dedrick Sr. or something? I... I Something like that. Tom Morgan. Remember the Asian guy in Die Hard that oh, like that yes. that that gets the 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 chocolate bar. Yep, yep, yep. That guy's <laughs> that in a guy, lot of stuff. He's he's in everything. He was in the A Team. I saw him in Miami Vice. That guy is like is awesome. Like if I was if I knew how to code, I'd make a video game based just on his <laughs> antics. Like he was in the Last Action Hero. He got blown up. Like he uh, when they blew up the uh, ice cream machine uh, or truck that was by the guy with he was cruising by in the back of the truck shooting like he's the one that fell face forward with like a, a fully frozen ice cream cone stuck to the back of his head <laughs> all right great formula obviously dated it has probably some use and i'm gonna figure it out god damn it like because like my idea is to, to like cross pulp fiction with that equation and make a wrestling movie that's great i love it We've talked about we talked about the wrestling movie, but I don't think we incorporated all of those elements into the idea before. Well, it's minefields. That's what we do. We walked in minefields. There we, we are. Also listen, there we, we are. also listen. We also listen to the Prodigy way too much. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I I I think about it, and my friends is like, I've never met a diehard Prodigy fan in my life. <laughs> like, well, I'm I mean, not so not sure the, it's that so much that it's the Prodigy is that one album. We're like, just not in the UK. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like it was is the it was just because it was the perfect synthesis of that moment in the year it came out. Just like Vegas by the Crystal Method, something about Fat of the Land and Vegas. Just every single track seems to perfectly work on those albums. Agreed. And it's astonishing that it's not all from the same people. Honestly. Except that, you know, you got Cool Keith in there, and there's a lot more vocals going on in The Prodigy. I mean, that's why things like Portishead and Tricky and Massive Attack, uh, they resonate garbage. Uh, at least oh, the first man. the first one, the first, maybe, first record for sure, maybe the second one. Uh, I, I had such a hard time getting into the second Garbage album. I was obsessed with it, but then uh, it, it just it doesn't have the same timelessness as the first one does. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, let's. Uh, you got anything else before we start getting into comic books and boring shit out of our... like Magnum? I mean, guys, for real. I, I don't know who you are, how old you are. Uh, Magnum PI, 
seriously just such it's a it's a it's a good natured show uh we all you know you got all these people that make fun of it because it's tom Selleck and it's the mustache and it's the short shorts honestly that's something worth checking out you go and you're like dude that guy is built like it's the physique and you know like what else can you say about uh about that series except that uh like you've got an you've got an a, you've got Higgins in that show who is Loved an Higgins. English character, but the actor was from Texas, and he put on that role for eight years and he killed it every time. Uh, his two buddies TC and um, uh, Rick are absolutely entertaining, uh, and then there's the whole. I mean, if you if you've never seen it, you don't know what it's about. It's all shot in Hawaii. It's all these beautiful, amazing places. Thomas Magnum and his two buddies are former, uh, they're Vietnam era soldiers. And now they're, you know, back in the world and they've, you know, got back. They, they're okay. And they, they all uh, had helicopters. They all had helicopters, except the one in the helicopter in uh, Magnum PI was the prominent one. They that that one. Oh, stayed that's the a good same. point. Yeah, that, yeah, that it was consistent. TC's helicopter was all, actually uh, TC, the actor performing TC. I think Roger Mosley. He could fly helicopters, but for all of the stunts, they insisted on doing a stunt pilot who was, you know, how built he is, uh, who was wearing like body like padding to make him look that huge. Uh, which is funny because TC is constantly wearing these like shirts with really short sleeves, so he's built with, like shoulders and biceps sticking out. But uh, yeah, I mean, basically the premise of the show, you know, these guys who are super buddies doing stuff in their regular lives while simultaneously Thomas Magnum is a, a, a private detective or a private eye, and he's he's working with the cops. Sometimes he's not working with the cops. He's figuring stuff out, saving I've people. Got, it's just awesome. I've got more. Okay. They never lo- they never lost. Yeah, they really never lost, did they? They they never lost. There might have been an episode where there was a cliffhanger and a two-parter, mm-hmm. but they never lost. Uh, another thing was is they started uh, being smart and incorporating pop culture figures uh, into uh, the, you know just as uh, mm-hmm. random guest stars. Uh, hell, A Team had Boy George and the Culture Club. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a ton of ton of uh, famous people in Magnum PI. Uh, 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 Miami Vice did the, I, in my opinion, the big one up over all of them because they incorporated actual uh, pop music into yeah. Yeah. In, into into the into the show, uh, where everything else was like ham ham fisted, like it's made just for the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in the internet, that's that's the reason we have in the internet. Uh, 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 you belong to the less. city. That, that 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 song was, I think, two years old before. Uh, Brad, oh, was it Brad Yardikoff or I can't uh, I can't think of the producer who wanted to stick it in there, but they they plugged it into that first episode of Miami Vice. If you've ever heard Phil Collins in the air tonight, it's because it became outrageously popular from the first episode of Miami Vice, and it is one of the most cinematic moments in the, television. The, the nighttime you you read my mind. The, the nighttime walk. Yeah. The the nighttime brood. Through the city, it, I, it, I have shown that to so many uh, electricians and gaffers and uh, cinematographers from uh, that I've worked with 
just like, oh yeah, no, I really love this. And they're just like, I can't believe they pulled that off. Like, well, look at these wonderful, these amazing camera angles on the on the Ferrari, these car mounts they must have used. And that was yeah. a 35 millimeter camera or what, you know, I'm sure it's got to be what it was. And it was like super heavy to be able to pull that stuff off. But like, yeah, you're, you, I get, I totally dig what you're saying, but I want to go even farther to say, that please because do. Because it was a Don Belisarius show, Magnum PI, um, that when he was doing uh, uh, Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap and Magnum take place in the same universe. How the so, hell did I not know that? It's you. You just gotta look for it. It's um, uh, there's even an episode. My fa- one of my favorite Quantum Leap episodes. Uh, Sam leaps into uh, uh, a house or uh, yeah, a single mom in the '80s, and he has a. Uh, like a 12 year old daughter who's obsessed with Magnum. <laughs> and at a certain point he's like, that's awesome. It's going to be on for five more years. You're not going to miss anything. You know, we got to go rescue the, your brother. <laughs> it's just that's stuff awesome. like that. <laughs> anyway, Dude, that's, yeah, that's let's, really yeah cool. let's, let's, let's move on guys. I mean, no, I, I, I'm going to take it even further. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Magnum's the reason why, uh, Tom's, uh, why, uh, Harrison Ford is, uh, uh, Indiana Jones. That's right. It that's was offered right. to him first. They wanted him bad. And he picked he picked Magnum PI. <laughs> well, he he was already obligated. Already to do obligated, it. but uh, even then, he still picked it. <laughs> I, I would have figured. I think it, that I, he just couldn't fit it into like a hiatus from Magnum. Like you know, the show goes on hiatus for a season, and that's a crazy thing in the eighties. We didn't perceive things as like, oh, the new season hiatus. of The Office is about yeah. to start, or the new season of. Heroes. Oh, when's the next season of this happening or something like that? But like, you just watched it and then it was rerun and you're just like, oh yeah, no, I saw that one because it was first run, second run, and that was as much as you got. Nobody yeah. binge watched anything. We didn't even have VCRs. You all know what a VCR it, is, right? And then it'd get canceled and you'd find out about it three weeks later. Yeah, <laughs> that happened with yeah. uh, Auto Man and Street Hawk and. Uh, Oh man, all kinds of fun Renegade. stuff I liked growing up. Well, Renegade's nineties. Renegade. Then... Was it? There's one called uh, Stingray. I liked Stingray. <laughs> and Sunny Spoon. About. Did you ever watch Sunny Spoon with Mario no, Van Peebles? It sounds terrible. It was awesome. He was a he was a PI, and he had I... a he had a district attorney friend, and. Uh, yeah, the the well, racial well, dynamic and the the uh, gender dynamic stuff was really fun in that show. So well, it screen. makes sense. One season, it makes. It's like, you you can't be a Smiths fan as much as you are a Cure fan. You can't like Lorenzo Lamas as much as you like <laughs> Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> it yeah, just doesn't happen. I definitely like Mario Van Peebles better. Did you ever see that well, crazy werewolf movie he was in? Oh hell yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't that come out right at the time a Darkman came out? Probably. It felt like it was in 1990. I'll have to look that up. I think it was called Full Eclipse. It was HBO original or something like that. Well, wind it down. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's are, get out of this. Let's get, let's there, get are, <laughs> there are two soundtracks for Miami Vice. Actually, yeah. three. Actually, three. There's, a, there's the original two vinyls, uh, part one and part two. Mm-hmm. And there's also mm-hmm. a separate vinyl or a separate like extended CD of Jan Hammer's uh, All. If, if you guys are into yeah. – uh, actually, you take over for this one. 
Oh, dude, I've listened to it a lot. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't say how many times they released something. Yeah, but you, you, you could get it on cassette way back, and you can definitely still find it on vinyls. And it's it's crazy because it's like for a long time people something that's so popular, and even the music, and then people are like, oh, that's so over, and they're making fun of it on Friends, you know, because like Chandler and uh, Ross are showing up with their that that look for some. You know, it's yeah. the 80s, right? Dude, it was so awesome. It's still freaking awesome. And uh, it, it looks so good. But, like, so even the music, it, it also was super-duper popular and then crashed because it was hard for people to take seriously after a minute. And then uh, it's just like anything. Things jump the shark. And so you could go to any record store and probably still come up with some of these vinyls uh, like on a discount rack for next for to nothing. For a couple bucks, next yeah. to nothing. But you could find one that's in that's like a that's like re-release, and it's going to cost as much as any vinyl now. And it's crazy yeah, the, because like who cared about vinyl for like twenty years, and now it's massive again. The the Jan Hammer one is worth it because it's extended versions of uh-huh. all of the of all of the main tracks, all the orchestrations uh, or orchestral tracks. How, what do you say it like the this is your bag. What, what do you call what do you it? The, what, like like the, the, uh, the episodic series score or something like that? Yeah, or the it, opening that, that, theme music? Yeah, all yeah. that. All that. All that. It, it's, it's amazing. And I'm not as into it as you are, but I, I certainly appreciate it more because of you. I just say, if, right. you're, if you're talking about these old shows, I, def, I defy you, to, to minefielders, to watch like the first episode of Miami Vice and be uncom- uncompelled to keep watching to see Agreed. what's going to happen with these characters. And it's the same thing with with Magnum because the the just incredible like friendly charisma of Tom Selleck. This is not watching uh uh Blue Bloods where he's supposed to be playing a little bit of a stiffer guy. Um He's great in that by the way. Tom Selleck is just the most entertaining fun guy. He's one of the best American actors when it comes to that charm and that like grown up, sexy but childish kind of like playfulness, and uh, I even loved him playing uh, Eisenhower in Ike. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It was a coming up to D Day. It's a D Day related story. Anyway, let's let's go. Let's go. No, I got one more. <laughs> no, no, we're done. <laughs> no, I got one more. The and it's leading into comics. Trust me. They followed the comic format from back in the day when you open up a comic book and within a paragraph you're caught up. Within the, oh, yeah. the first the, within the theme song you you you, you figure out all you need to know that there's these uh like oh, these sure. uh, that makes sense. these these ne'er do wells in, in in the the Duke County that drive a car fast and the, yeah. the and the sheriff is mad at him for some reason. That's really all you need to know to enjoy the show. The A team, they, man, they flat out lay it out. <laughs> oh, dude, go back. Like I say, Quantum Leap. You know, you've got you've got Ziggy, the computer, telling you uh, just you know, fifteen seconds worth his next leap, hoping that the next leap will be the leap home. And you're like set up. You don't yeah, even need the rest of the opening credits sequence. But it's there for you. It's two guys, and it's a two-solid-minute opening credit yeah. <laughs> sequence, and all they've got to do is introduce Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, and it, but like, but it slides you into that, and you're like, oh man, you know, 
And I hated missing that as a kid. You wanted to catch the cold open of the show, but you wanted that theme song over and over again. And that's what happened with Miami Vice. Everybody was like, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. Because this is the new... This tells us what's cool right now. That's what happened with Miami Vice. It... it Knight Rider 2. Uh, you hear oh, about yeah. Michael Knight, the, the, the lone knight uh, fighting for truth and justice. And you see this car, and there's something about it that you know is is awesome. Is that a Pontiac Firebird? Is that a Camaro? Is that a, is that a Corvette? A, we don't even know what the hell this thing is, but it's awesome because it's got a I, I, Cylon's brain in it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something up with it. It's, it. I believe it's a Trans Am, but they've used other cars. Oh, that, yeah. Could have been they they use other cars that were similar in the Pontiac, Pontiac body style too, because well, they destroyed so many of them. Um, God damn, that shit was awesome. Yeah, dude, yeah, eighties TV series. I mean, those are the fun ones. We're not even getting into the really good, fun drama ones like Hill Street or Saint Elsewhere or something. Let's those not... mattered. Yeah. Those mattered. Yeah. Uh, I still kind of just Blues... sit sit through all of Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues, the TV show, was one of the few rare occurrences where the TV show was better than the movie. There's a Hill I'm Street a, movie? Yeah, there's. it's based on a movie, dude. Oh, I, I have mean, no like, idea. It is based on a movie. Sidney Poitier is in that movie, and it is very really? racial. Dude, it is – well, yeah, it is it – is, it is the – it is a accurate portrayal up to a point of what a movie can portray – if this specific situation had happened and it was racially charged, it is poignant. It is kick ass, and they ran with it in the show. And Wait a uh, are you thinking of in the heat of the night? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Hell Street Blues is totally different. In the heat of the night. Damn. Totally different. These things like happen. These no. totally happen. It sound like an asshole. Thank you for not at all. Thank you for fact checking me. Who is but, the dude? Uh, oh, forget, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. No, well, uh, with comics, every time I open a comic now and I see what happened last week, I'm like, "This is wasted space. You should have been, you should have kept up." <laughs> this, I this know, is go a back whole... to the '80s, like the stuff that we were reading most recently in the Korvac saga. You get one full page of like this action scene, and it's either like setting the tone for the issue, or it's actually the first moment in the issue going in. Right, and now I just feel like, man, you should have been paying attention. Like, hit the ground running or just, you know, make sure it's in a bag and board and, you know, eventually give it to someone that would that would give it a good home that's going to love it uh, because otherwise, you know, you, you, you miss the boat. Just, just, just move on. Uh, you, you don't have enough money. <laughs> All right, that was 30 minutes about 80s. 80s TV series. 30 minutes about 80s. We got some kick-ass comics. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge in the past two weeks. Uh, thanks guys for keeping up with us. Uh, you guys are still downloading hot. Uh, we still get more subscribers. Uh, obviously we, we used to run probably about three, maybe two and a half podcasts a week, but, uh, COVID, all this other shit's going on. We're doing our best and, uh, doing our best to keep up with our weeklies and taking care of our comic stores. But we've got a little bit of a hodgepodge of the past two weeks, uh, going on here. Um, we've got, uh, Immortal Hulk number 34. Spawn number 307, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 105, Dead Body Road number 1, Justice League number 46, The Little Woods number 6, Star Trek Year 5 number 12. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about V, the second uh, the second television series, or maybe we might have... Uh, oh, not, the, uh, ex- not the second one. 
The first one? Oh, yeah, the original one. We were going to talk if, about that a couple weeks ago, and we just ended up not doing it. I just rewatched if, that. Speaking of 80s television, holy moly. Maybe we should wait till next week. We can do that. Yeah, let's just... Yeah. It's going to be the Matt Damon of our show. Yeah. We thought we had time to talk about V, but we and don't. And he's pushed. Uh, Marvel <laughs> Snapshot Captain America, number one. Empire Avengers, number one. Empire Avengers Magazine, number one. Green Goblin. We might touch a little bit about Green Goblin and uh, within the spectacular, spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, really, really dealing here with Harry if we have some time. And... Um, this other one. I got I have... Thor. I got the new Thor from last week also. All right, cool. Thor we'll number Thor. five, what? yeah. Thor number five. I didn't see the list. Why don't you start with that one because I missed it. Oh, man. I mean, this this book continues to be really interesting. They are uh, – we're in the midst of this business of – it was – Thor was the new king of Asgard, or he has been, and he – wasn't oh, really... dude, I I messed up not reading this one. Now I know why I'm, I'm mad at myself for not reading it where it last one left off like two months ago. Damn it. I know, I'm yeah. Reading it's, this we, it's rough with their distribution right now. Uh, this is number five uh, in the story. Uh, this is Donnie Cates writing. Nick Klein is the artist and way to freaking go. Man, uh, the consistency of, the, of everything, like... The consistency on the existing characters and the recurring characters is beautiful in this book. And then, like, constantly finding new ways to depict uh, stuff that we have probably Holy seen shit. a thousand times. You're, just, you're not kidding. Look at this crispy. fight with the Celestial. I know. Look at that. Uh, oh, oh, that's not Jesus. a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. You're, you're, you're going to be pretty impressed at the end when, what that turns out to be. All right, uh, all right. Matt Wilson is the color artist. Good job there also. VCs Joe Sabino is the letterer and the designer. Um, so, yeah, this is the Devourer King Part 5. Uh, what, what we've been dealing with here is that, yeah, like Thor is king of Asgard. He's trying to basically just figure out how to be king instead of how to be, you know, the Avenger. And... Um, and how to get out there and just handle everything by himself. But as soon as Galactus shows up and is like, is, is saying, hey, there's something bigger and worse out there that's getting ready to happen and it's going to eliminate me, thus throwing off the cosmic balance, Thor ends up becoming the Herald of Galactus. Now, this is five issues ago, right? So right. he is. Th so then we get a whole new look for Thor. And uh, he's imbued with the power cosmic as if he wasn't already by being the new Allfather. But um, the other interesting switch that we have here is that Heimdall is not around. And Lady I hate Sif. When he's not around. I know, but like I dig that Lady Sif is doing his job right now. So he's got the, she's got the power to see everything everywhere. Uh, furthermore, Loki is the king of Jortenheim, the uh, ice planet where the frost giants come from. <coughs> and that's part of, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> everybody being cool and not being at war. Smoker's cough, right? <coughs> not a chance. So, um... We get a fun, so definitely we get a fun gotcha. piece at the beginning of this, because despite the fact that... Uh, Thor knows what he's doing, and he's trying to protect all of these worlds that Galactus needs to eat to increase his power, thus being able to defeat the uh, um, 
the uh, the the long winter, which is a personified force, kind of like Galactus. Uh, he's coming under uh, uh, he's coming under threat from all of his friends. Sif gave him a hard time. Uh, Beta Ray Bill did also, and uh, you know Thor doesn't want to have to beat on any of his buddies, but. He basically beat the crap out of Beta Ray Bill recently. So you, at the very beginning of this, you've got a very touching moment where Bill is <laughs> pretty much asking Sif out on a date. And that's something that comes way back from Walt Simonson when he first introduced that uh, uh, the character of Beta Ray Bill, that there would be a don't, romance there. So Don't forget Louise, because Louise is always part of the good Walt and the Walt Thor, uh, you know, hodgepodgeness. Okay, Louise Simonson's wife. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I got. It. I was. I was lost there for a second. Uh, so you've got. Uh, you've got this character, the long or the winter, finally showing up, and um, we haven't seen it yet. It's been this kind of just threat on the horizon, and. Uh, and Galactic basically by the end of this. They've battled it for a few minutes and haven't been able to make any headway. Uh, one of the fun things is that it recreates several of Thor's like arch enemies: uh, Doctor Doom, Annihilus, um, Mephisto, Sutter, an older version of Loki, not the like you know pretty uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston version, uh, let alone a bunch of other ones. And um, it's like, is he raising him from the dead? Kind of like that whole situation we had in Uncanny Avengers a couple of years ago. Or is, are they just like... Um, okay. I don't know that he's necessarily capable of doing that. But they are there and Thor has to battle through them. And he kind of gets his butt handled to him by all of them. Uh, and it's just one of those... I think that it's one of those mental games... That a character is like, you just, dude, you're not going to win. You can't win. Don't even try. You have to, like, submit to this. And in the end, he's in, Thor is incapable, uh, as the Herald of Galactus, in stopping all of these foes. And the crazy thing is that uh, Galactus is, in fact, supposed to be the Herald of this long winter. Oh, dude, that's, that's what a great idea. It's a total a reversal, yeah. What a flip flop! I love it, and yeah. with, without seeing it coming, it makes perfect sense. Why hasn't it been done yet? I yeah, love it's, it. it's like it's one of those great things where you know a writer is sitting there and they they've either you know wrung their hands for a while thinking about wow, oh, this would always if I had Thor, this is what I'd like to do, or something like that, or you know I don't know, did an editor say, hey, here's a direction we could take this thing? How come nobody's ever done anything like this before? It's so simple that it's obvious. How could you switch these things around? And then, yeah, I mean, that's the question. Does Galactus end up having, in the next issue, or the next couple of issues, have to go around working for this guy? Or, uh, or does he go around and devour things for this guy? So, I don't know. I'm still on board. I'm not going to walk away from it. It is too beautiful to look at. It is too interesting to put down, just get it to me. I just want more more of this particular Thor book. I I, I, I couldn't agree more, especially now <laughs> that in I, I think I think back to like when, how excited I was for Guardians of the Galaxy to come out as a movie, and I, I, I didn't I didn't realize I, 
because I, 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 you know, we're writers. We try to anticipate things. We, you know, we we pretend bitch about how we see where the story's going before it gets there because we're yeah. that that good or whatever. Uh, but in that sort of sense, I am so proud that this movie was done so well by such a, a, a careful, soft hand. Uh, the, the director James Gunn, and you know, he did with after I've I've been a huge fan of Slither since I was a kid, and um, how, how well he protects his. Well, that's another story, but um, the fact that Cosmic Marvel is not just for the the nerds of the nerds. Like, yeah, right? if you're if you're nerdy enough to be reading comics and let everyone know that, which wasn't that big of a deal if you're reading X Men or Wolverine, uh, but if you're reading like the cosmic stuff, which was really kind of hard to really even find because they didn't True. really order it that much. Yeah. Um, Unless now it's Jim just, Starlin was writing something back in the '90s, right? Right, but even then, it wasn't like where, where we got inundated with all this awesomeness that was like like listening to it was ahead of its time. Like when you listen to Frank Zappa or, or, or Ween or something like that, um, and then it, then it ended, and then now we had little trickles of it. And now it's just here it is. We have people like Donny Cates out there just making sure that it's it, it's all the reservations are gone. Just keep bringing it because we got to go to the stars i think that's the whole thing i get super tired of everything has to happen in new york let alone just on earth thor is a character that should be dealing with gigantic situations like that and if you want thor to be showing up in in uh stories on earth then he'll better be be worth avengers you know yeah for you know global avengers avengers level threat that sort of thing yeah for real Uh, I want to talk about Spawn because this the latest issue of Spawn really upset me. Um, <laughs> not not in a bad way, but it was still like definitely make your skin crawl. Uh, I've been a huge Spawn fan forever since it started. Uh, I, I I found Spawn at a uh, my my friend Rob. It was fourth grade. He had issues one through uh, nine on him. And he brought all of them to remember when like you'd have like a field day school uh, yeah, day, for real. but it was it was more of a like a, a, a fake lock in where everyone brought their sleeping bags and their pajamas and we all watched movies all day and played board games and stuff. It was one of those days. But Rob <laughs> had all all first nine issues of Spawn and uh, he's like, I, 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 I had to have it because of McFarlane and he let me read him and I remember being like, because my mother had got me into true crime books since I could read, and in the early issue spawn, I think it was issue number five, they introduced a character named Billy Kincaid. Uh, if if you've have you seen the the Spawn HBO animated series? No. He was the main antagonist, uh, not the demons. Uh, Billy Kincaid was an ice cream man that okay. was portrayed as a. Uh, Almost morbidly obese, actual ice cream man. Uh, in the in the cartoon, he was like the the bastard son of a senator. In the comic, he was just a, a serial killer uh, pedophile. And within the page, I mean, there is some huge outrage from this from back in the day uh, when they introduced Billy Kincaid because one of the, the they never showed him kill a kid. Yeah. But they would show either the <clears throat> aftermath or it's about to happen. And uh, the, the the one scene I remember was Billy Kincaid finger painting, wearing the scalp of a little girl 
dressed as a little girl, Ugh. finger painting, and by finger painting, he was he was gluing little kids' fingers uh, to a like a like you know to to some paper on the wall. He was finger painting, Ugh. and uh, Spawn. <clears throat> Like such an odd thing, because Spawn was dealing with demon level threats, and somehow the reason he got involved with this is because Billy Kincaid was dumping all the dead bodies in in the alley that he lived, and uh, he eventually, okay. yeah, and uh, he he found Billy and just eradicated him. Uh, they uh, uh, Sam and Twitch found found the body of Billy Kincaid in their office, strung up with all like multitudes of chains, like almost like. I, th- I think they used the chains because he probably wanted to use uh, entrails, but he just went with the chains to add the extra spawn kick-ass 90s-ness to it, like, festooned, while he's basically semi-crucified naked uh, with all these melting popsicle sticks that are he's been impaled with all over his body and a, and a note on his chest that said, uh, he made boys and girls scream, so I made him scream and scream and scream because one of his gimmicks was that he would sing the ice cream song to the to the kids. Uh and uh, they they brought him back. They Ellen Moore brought him back in issue seven. Were mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> uh, after issue six, uh, Todd stopped writing it, and he had these big famous guys writing it up for him while he drew it. Uh, like he had uh, Neil Gaiman do issue number nine. He illustrated it. Issue number seven was written by Ellen Moore, and Billy Kincaid wakes up in hell, and he's. It's like a, a jungle type scene. Uh, he's there's like five other people there in his group that just showed up in hell too. They were born out of these like nefarious, uh, uh, necrocious eggs, and they find themselves uh, on the first level of hell. And they each start getting picked picked off by random demons. Wait, is and, this in the issue right now, or is this in the no, series? No, no, this is in the comic book issue number seven from okay. back in, in the mid '90s. Alan Moore, like I said, Alan Moore wrote it. And uh, one of the one of the people in hell, part of their group that keeps getting picked off, is this little girl that somehow just happens to know where they're going, and uh, it ends up just being him, her, and Billy. And Billy's like, "Screw it, I need it." And he grabs the girl, and she smiles and says, "What took you so long, Mister Chili? You have any idea how much of a fan I am of yours?" And her skin rips off, and he's one of the Phoebeac brothers, like from the eighth sphere of hell. Uh, that was waiting for him to kill the little girl to prove to him that he was what he thought he was. Because in order to get to the eighth sphere of hell, you had to be the worst of the worst in in Mel Bolgia's uh, eighth sphere of hell. And he gets there, and he's like, hey, don't worry, man. Like, stop running. I'll carry you. There's a lot of stairs because they're going up the stairs. And uh, he takes them to the eighth level, and uh, he's like, he's burning. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. Just give it a second. And all of a sudden, Kincaid gets a, a, a hell spawn. Like he he's he's a spawn. He's not the spawn, which is the one oh, they send every okay. five years. And uh, it ends with him crying that he's in hell and he's a hell spawn. They brought him back. Uh, I want to say around like issue either like one hundred or fifty. It was something like it was just a brief appearance. But in order to talk about it, I had to take that long-winded spiel for it. Uh, within the within the animated series, it got really really fucked up because he was. He was being Kincaid was being manipulated to target specific people by Jason Wynn, which was like the shadow higher than Men in Black level government, oh, shadow sure. government, uh, to to kill uh, Cyan, 
uh, written by um, God, I'm spacing his name right now. Um, one of my favorite writers. Uh, I, I hate when I do that. Alan McElroy, and he he actually wrote the Spawn movie, which I'm sure they watered down. But um, <laughs> probably <laughs> issue, three, issue 307 of Spawn. Uh, Todd McFarlane script, Philip Tan pencils. Uh, Todd McFarlane and Philip Tan did the plot. Uh, Philip Tan, Jonathan Glapion, Daniel Henriquez, and Todd McFarlane did the inks. Tom Orzowski does lettering. Uh, Sonny Go and Peter Stegerwald did colors. Todd McFarlane, Francesco Matina, and Philip Tan did cover artists. And, of course, Todd is the editor-in-chief. He has to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, the story was just crazy. Spawn's in the future. He's back in the past. He's just killed someone he shouldn't have. Well, uh, with Spawn, it works in, in these weird little nuggets, and they'll get to it later. And there's like always like five or six different things going on. While this is happening, what Spawn just did was actually something that had been manipulated by – they had reintroduced Billy Kincaid in the last issue. And um, and I was like, what – why? Okay, like I've had enough of it. It's, it's just a little odd. Um, you know, hopefully don't fuck it up. Well – he is exceptionally powered. He doesn't have any semblances that he's a spawn anymore, where he's got an actual, like, the, the, the spawn, like, the, the living symbiote costume. But it ends with three pages of children being murdered oh. off-panel <clears throat> while the narrator is talking about how Kincaid basically has super pedophile powers now. He can move through the shadows... Yeah, I know, right? That's the only way I can say it. He can move through the shadows, and in one night, he's just going through the shadows from home to home, wherever he wanted, and murdering kids, and uh, the the neighborhood is waking up with the wailing screams of the of, of parents, and it ends with his new persona. He's got... He, he kind of looks like Legion of Doom from WWE, except more... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except more... Uh, except bald fatter and more uh vicocious like you don't want to touch it it's not it's not legion Vis- of doom like viscous vis- viscous yeah something viscous? like that that's the word sure, sure. viscous uh, still gross yeah and uh god help us all and i was like god damn todd what why <laughs> and okay uh okay fine just make sure this guy like one of the worst slash best hard to find spawn toys is the diorama of Billy Kin- the Billy Kincaid action figure of him being strung up in in twist uh, I'm sorry that twist I'm getting all spacey man I'm getting all excited like uh, I can I can imagine you know, you're going to make uh, an action uh, figure Sam, out of a salmon sh- twitch's office yeah yeah it 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 hangs him it, it it's an in action figure it's just a diorama but it's hard to find and it's expensive it, but I've got it <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you got next, brother? I'm sorry. Not at all. Uh, let's let's see here. <laughs> I think about all the years that I've had all these Darth Vader related toys, and then one movie in 2005 puts Darth Vader out there as a child murderer, and suddenly it's like, uh, I don't think yep. I, I already thought he was a bad guy. It's really hard to say to want to uh keep you know <laughs> keep toys it, of it a child him, murderer around you know it made him a it made him a different bad guy 
You made it like so worse. So much worse. From from being the, the, the thing you wouldn't want to find in your closet or, or to encounter if you were bad to yeah, child murderer. I, I I'm it, it's if I was gonna talk to Todd, I, I would wanna talk to like what yeah. the hell? Yeah. Well, what, what the I, hell? I feel like that's the direction they're Why? going with it. That was the nineties, you know? You had to passion- do that kind of like let's bring this horrible stuff to the forefront in the nineties. This You're gonna was make unique. a movie about a dude that goes around and is purposefully infecting people with AIDS. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Th- this was unique, and I, and I don't want to ask Todd why because I want to be like explain yourself. I, I there's I hope that I'm wrong, but the way he writes it insinuates that he is that he has known someone that has been a victim. Of someone like Billy Kincaid. That makes sense. That's. I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to get that out of him, but I still want to talk to him about it because it's definitely. Uh, can you name a, a comic book where a, a, a pedophile was a, a, a actual like, like if you were going to buy the the, the 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 deck of cards, you're going to get a card of him, <laughs> like Ugh. like a. Yeah, it, it's it's just odd, and and I I think it's I think it's uh, I think what he's doing is honorable because it's obviously something he's passionate about, but obviously something I don't think he'd ever talk about. Yeah. But still, it's the Todd Father. I'd never disrespect him. <laughs> you got some Captain America for me, man? I do. Yeah, uh, the Marvel sh- snapshot series so far has been really different than anything else. Um, you know, we're used to seeing these concurrent storylines and then occasionally you get a one-shot or you get an annual. These have all been one-shots so far and they are all particular to something very specific in each character's uh, mythos, basically. The Submariner one was like, how would I ever have known anything about this, you know? And then uh, this is one of those crazy things where, you know... I guess the thing to do, the next time you're talking to your buddy or your acquaintance who is a big-time Captain America fan, who has a lot of Captain America comics... They're out there, man. Those guys are are. rabid. I mean, Matt Matt Price is a Captain America guy, and then uh, there's a guy I'm not going to mention because I don't want to bring him up that that is like, I've got the... I've got it the second best Captain America collection in the country or in the world or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. Well... Um, ask you know you ask that person tell me about Mad Bomb because when I was working in stores and I wasn't reading you know vintage Captain America books you would constantly see that come up what the heck Mad Bomb like that's an actual storyline that happened in the late 70s early 80s and uh, I'm not going to say I went in, I thought about it, I just, you know, I was looking after my mom. Like, I thought, oh, I'm going to go in and check out these issues. Did not get the opportunity to. The Mad Bomb is a... Sorry, my window's open. Yep. The Mad Bomb is a, uh, a, an AIM-created device that sets off a pulse. Everybody goes crazy in the detonation range of this thing and they attack whoever it's like it's like the rage virus from 28 days later except without all the vomiting and 
without the purposeful blood. It's just, you know, is it, people get Is it. this a Modoc leader created thing? Uh, I can't really say. It's 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 definitely a Modoc type thing if it's aim. It could also be uh Armin Arnonzola, that kind Correct. of stuff. Um but uh Anyway, so let me get into the to the uh, credits here. We get it's Mark Russell writer Raymond Perez, Ramon Perez is the artist. Uh, Ramon. Yeah, Rico Renzi is the color artist, and VCs Joe Sabino is the letterer. Alex Ross did the cover. It's quite beautiful. Um, and uh, I'm seeing all these other variant covers in case you know anybody cares. But so yeah, this is Captain America Marvel's snapshots number one. Only it's a one shot. So, uh, this is awesome because it starts out with just street level people, and Captain America is more or less ancillary to the entire situation. And this story becomes more and more prescient as it goes along for the world we're living in this very day. So, I don't think this is something that anybody was really uh, sitting around mulling over for for um timeliness i think that unfortunately the circumstances of this are timely no matter what in this country uh we have black people we have african-american characters living in not the best part of new york and uh we've got a guy who runs a a repair shop and he's like yeah you know to say you Stay alive in America. You pick a job where someone's always going to need you to fix something because everything breaks at some point or another. And so uh, Zeus from Die Hard Three, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, and uh, the Mad Bomb goes off, and all of these people are dealing with the circumstances. Falcon and Cap are out in the streets. Uh, they're in Times Square, though, is what it looks like, and it's terrifying. I mean, you've got to fight. You could you'd get hit by the mad bomb, like the wave from it, and yeah. you would irrationally kill whoever you happen to be around or break whatever happened to be around, uh, and it is utterly horrendous what happens between a mom and her little two year old kid in this, and oh, wow. uh, that changes their family forever, and uh, the protagonist here is sorry i lost his name because i always get stuck on the little kid's name i got really attached right. to that kid's right. name well, well, while you're looking that up the kid's name is this one of those type uh, issues where uh it's more focused on like a local town uh they've got uh x and y problems and cap just happens to wander into town and be some sort of uh symbol for uh, inspiring to be good, like uh, like that. Remember that one issue of Marvel issues presents a uh, couple months back with that girl uh, when uh, that girl in that little town when when Cap was just riding through, just taking oh, right. a break from uh-huh. everything. Uh, is is it like one of those things where he wasn't the the no, main part of the story? Or? Not exactly. Because Cap Cap is definitely in, like heavily involved here, but. Um, yeah, to a certain degree, uh, because okay, the boy's name is Felix Waterhouse. He's a he's a teenager, and he wants to go to college. He's capable of going to college, but because of all of this horrible stuff that just happened due to the Mad Bomb, he is his dad is like, we're not going to be able to do this right now. We've got to just get by. 
So you see this kid's soul breaking a little at a time. I'm not going to say that it isn't like what you're saying. It's that this is happening in New York. In a bigger scale. Yeah, this isn't like, it isn't like that story where it was, you know, hey, this is uh, yeah. Godabo, Oklahoma or something like that. Uh, it's I'm just saying more in the fact that Cap is more of a catalyst. Yes, uh, definitely. He's, he's, I don't even think he's a catalyst. Felix has his own life, and that's what's mm-hmm. amazing about this. We don't need, uh, we don't need Felix to show us something about Cap. Fe- Cap, Cap responds to what Felix is doing. It's so it right. is that it, it is that switch that needs to happen in comics every so often, you know. I di- I dig uh, it, man. It's kind of like when you w- go back and watch the old Hulk TV series. The Hulk it's comes into about, town, it's, and it's not about the Hulk ever. <laughs> yeah, the Hulk just ha- you know yeah it's this unfortunate guy who's wandering through town, and he ends up getting involved with some characters and hulking out, saving lives, saving the day, or scaring everybody, and then leaving. Like this is kind of like that formula. I dig it. That's awesome. We should, man. We should have talked about that earlier. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a seventies show though. Um, that was seventies. Yeah, it was seventies. Because yeah. it was syndicated when I was like three. But that formula is bu- brilliant because that's that's the Hulk, that's the Fugitive, that's Quantum Leap. You know, small cast, different situation, different side characters, different location every week. It's a great formula. That's what I would love to get out of a Machine Man TV series. And uh, Gene Roddenberry was trying to do that with a series called The Questor Tapes that never got off the ground, but that's how we got data in The Next Generation. Uh, anyway, um, Felix gets a card. Gets, he gets a, a, a card. He gets A guy Brink comes in and gives him a card. That's another thing I appreciate about this. This isn't like all techie and super contemporary. This fits right, right. the time period of the Mad Bomb storyline. Felix gets asked by an AIM recruiter, basically, to come join AIM. And uh, he eventually gets hacked off enough at his life to go and do it. And mainly it's because people are looking at the Mad Bomb incident and they're saying, hey, we got past this, everything's under control. And he sees Captain America on on, uh, TV, like a crisp salute, and everybody's happy, and he's like... Nobody ever came here and checked to see if we were okay. Like we just don't feel like we're part of America sometimes. Dude, that's so con- that's that's people need to read comics more because that, that it, it's it's not shoving it in your face, but that is if you read that and could relate to it. Goddamn, that's it's a little bit different than being told what to think. Precisely. And I got to say we were talking about Facebook posts uh earlier this week I was sending something to somebody in particular from one of my uh, one of the, my attendants of a of a rally or a demonstration, and I I didn't know I re- reset my settings by accident to just share it with this one fella, and um, so I actually posted a screenshot from the end of this issue that I went back and reactivated. So I couldn't get. I'll I'll get to that point. Felix is gonna. Felix ends up joining AIM. He's a low level guy just trying to you know, repair little things here and there and then tweak things. And he's a smart dude. And he's like, isn't AIM the bad guys? But then he's like, they they have these great ways to explain away why it is that AIM would exist. Like every country in the world is doing dark, creepy stuff with science and engineering on some level. Correct. And 
even the ones who are trying doing to, it for the right trying reasons. to be like, you know, the, the free world are still doing that. We absolutely know that's the case. So he has an ethical dilemma with this, but then when he realizes that he is being asked to help out on a higher tier uh, in his capacity on a much, much bigger mad bomb, well, you know he's not going to play ball with that. His little brother was murdered by his mom because of the mad bomb. Right. I mean, that's he's not going to let that get let that happen. So, uh, you skip ahead, and and uh, the whole the whole thing goes off. But it's in a confined area. It's under New York City, so the wave only goes so far. And there's a brilliant moment when uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and Falcon are trying to figure out. Uh, you know, hey, where did this new Mad Bomb wave go? And not only does it, like, fritz people's brains out, it also creates an electromagnetic pulse, so all the lights go out. And they realize that the lights are on at the top of the buildings, but not the lower levels, so they know it's spherically expanded from underground. And I was like, that's freaking great, guys. I really appreciate that kind of, like, three-dimensional thinking. Uh, I just thought that was a that was a good, like click moment because when you think of like captain america and the avengers movie it seems to run on some form of electricity yeah well, it's kind of a not joke wrong. For a <laughs> yeah i always appreciate that captain america is way more savvy and smart in the comics than he is in the movies which isn't to say he's dumb it's just that it's the factor of a thousand issues of comic books of experience to make it make sense you're 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 perfectly right because he captain america is quickly getting to the point that Superman already reached 20 years ago is that it's hard to make Superman relevant anymore because of all the, uh, he's, he's, he's very dated. He's doing his best to stay timeless, but now we've got to make cap seem uh, legitimate. Something we could believe in, in an Avengers movie where he's wearing the star spangled banner. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about the original uh, first Avenger. I'm talking about like first Avengers movie. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's difficult. And, Taking these different story arcs with Cap, that is challenging. That is bold and daring because you got to risk some guy at Marvel being like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's it you like, you it, it's, it's yeah. not exciting. Who are I, these people? <laughs> it's the complex we all have when it comes to Marvel versus DC. Is you've got god power characters like on an everyday scale. Versus, like, you know, okay, yeah, you know, it's the Falcon. He can get shot and die. Daredevil could get shot and die. He can get hit by a truck and he's stuck in the hospital for six months recovering before he decides to go be a parole officer and get on with his life somehow. He gets drawn back in as Daredevil. I mean, it's, that's that's the what we can appreciate about it. Because in the end, Cap may be, to a degree, immortal... I you could still see him die, and anyway, I mean, yeah, the blah blah blah. The point being, like, I'm, in this issue in particular, it's 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 awesome taking a character like Cap, who is virtually infallible, and show showing a light like, hey, you guys didn't come down here and make sure that every part of America was back to normal. Like, you guys never come here. You didn't come here before right. the Mad Bomb. Right. Like, poverty. 
is something that superheroes need to try to tackle. Racism doesn't just come at you in the form of the Red Skull. It comes at you in the form of everything that we're dealing with. The, 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 you know, the police brutality or... It's, it's got to be done. Abuse it's of It's got to be done. And like... It, that's that's the that's the that's the next great big unfortunate hurdle. When I was a kid and the first Gulf War took place, my brother and I were fascinated and we were just reading comics for the first time, 1991, and my my brother and I were like, "Oh, we they could send Spider-Man and I don't know, like Iron Man over there and mop up on everybody." And my mom was just like shaking her head like, "Guys, you need to take this seriously. You know, you don't need to have Shit, man. these ridiculous ideas about about how this real world scenario is going to play out. And we're looking at her like, oh, come on, mom. But she was thinking about Vietnam. She was yeah. thinking that that war could last 10 years and we'd get involved in it. And, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of different factors into it. I mean, like, I could hear that story now and I'm thinking, like, just let them play. Let, let them be innocent for as long as they possibly can. Yeah. But at the same time, though, and mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to one-up in, in any sense of the matter – but when when I remember the first time when the first footage of the Gulf War happened, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there watching television with my dad sitting next to him. We're sitting in front of the TV. Uh, we were about to play Nintendo, and the news came on, and that came on. I wasn't worried about Spider-Man. I was worried about them sending my dad. Yeah, for real. The, them and, and I'm I I, I really got to applaud you for this. Like, such a great choice for a comic to talk about today. Like it, it's so relevant, and, and uh, I've got a couple different points here. One, it has to be done, uh, but it, uh, in terms of uh, tackling these issues. Two, it can't be done lightly. Not like the way they did back in the '70s or '60s when you get that uh, uh, Green Arrow comic where he's got a his uh, his ward is a heroin addict, and it's just this yeah. one. It's 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 a gimmicky issue, or you get that free Spider-Man thing. Don't do drugs. Uh, it, it can't be done like that. It also right. can't be done like where they shove it down your throat and like, uh, uh, uh we gotta get gay. We we gotta make sure that the gay people like, uh, like our, you know, like our shit to make sure that they think that we we're we're okay with them. So we're gonna make Iceman gay, uh, rather than make a legit kick-ass, uh, LGBT. I, I can always I always fuck up the fucking acronym, LGBTQ, uh, character that has a legit backbone. But it, it, it can't be something that's shoved down your throat. And I'm so glad you picked that because I almost didn't pick this next issue, the next issue of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because I always talk about the Ninja Turtles. Uh, what, Shred, Shredder and Hell, you name it. It's number 105. Uh, the reason why I, I'm so happy you brought it up is because I, I wanted to talk about this, but you made me understand it a little bit more while you were talking about Captain America in terms of cultural relevance mm-hmm. when you're talking about, uh, you know, why didn't you come here before? Like, we, we, we mattered then. Why do we all of a sudden matter so much now? And then are you just going to leave and leave a mess with all this collateral damage? Like, what the hell are you going to do? Uh, this particular issue of Ninja Turtles, it, it you see this punk rock chick mutant, and they're at the, we, we find the, the mutants right at the where we left off the last issue where they finished a big battle in mutant town and now we find them uh, at the at the at their first punk rock show at their first uh, concert ever they've ever gone to and they're having all of these great experiences that 
are part of your childhood that you absolutely need to have is oh my gosh wow that's a you had spent multiple issues on them like figuring out how to this is what everybody on the surface gets that's fascinating take them to a basketball game Correct. So, so we find the cover. We we see they're they're cheering at a. They're they're in the they're in the crowd. And the the actual photo, uh, the, the 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 focal point of this is a is a very curvy, very gorgeous mutant pig girl, just screaming her guts out. You can tell just from just from her scowl, this is punk rock, like yeah. legit punk rock, not bullshit. Blink one eighty two bullshit where you, where your feelings hurt like no you're like dead Kennedys we're, we're talking what good shit here. What are you talking about? <laughs> my feelings, my girlfriend wasn't really <laughs> yeah stupid shit like that. Anyway, uh, uh, it says Eastman, Campbell, and Patterson. I really think that's a mistake at the top. It should have said Campbell, Patterson, and Eastman created this mm-hmm. because uh, Miss uh, Sophie Campbell, who did the story and the art. Colors by Rhonda Patterson, uh, letters by Sean Lee and Bobby Kernow. Sophie Campbell and Rhonda knocked this out of the damn park. I gotta rewind to when I talk about X Men issues where we get like the last five pages where the last year has been battle and you get to see him at the, you know, just uh, yeah. relaxing. Hey, we're hanging out at the pool. Colossus it, and Cyclops are lifting yeah. weights and. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna have a quick little joyous thing before the bad guy, you know, sneaks up at the end. And like, oh, what's gonna happen next week? Yeah, that did that did happen in, in this one, but this one was more focused on. Uh, okay, so all the turtles show up, including the 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 newest one, uh, the female, um, who used to be human and is now a turtle. Uh, they they're all wearing what they think they would feel are their clothes. If they were gonna go and look cool, so like Raph is like you know he's got a beanie. I mean like Leo's got more of a the a, a grungier look. I mean like they're they're trying to hodgepodge what they know, uh, in in regards to popular culture and music, uh, to what they think they might should wear. Uh, and and if because now they get to go out in public. Yeah. I, I mean, granted they're in a a part of Manhattan that is sealed off. But they're going to a legit punk punk rock show, and they're they're experiencing their first mosh pit, their first drunken. I'd love to mosh in with the turtles and their yeah. shells, man. Oh, you get the, killed. Leo just chilling, just chilling. He's not looking, judging. He's just he, like, I mean, Leo can uh, honestly. How much do you think Leo could actually relax? I mean, he's as relaxed as he possibly could be. He's standing there watching everyone have a good time. Obviously, he's still a little bit on patrol, but we're, we're seeing them get to express themselves with a music that in some way reflects the hostility of where they live, of how they're living, what they're forced into, uh, un- unfortunate circumstances, and they're still enjoying themselves. Uh, so it, it's it's a very – like I, I doubt that they meant for this to happen because I, I from what I understand, this was written before COVID. Okay. Yeah, because, cool. and now we we taken what we know now. I mean, Raph Raph has his first kiss with 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 Alapex. I mean, she's she's like a, a snow fox, and he's been giving her shit for the past couple of months, and he apologizes, and she's like, "Babe, don't worry about it." And then just boom, like first kiss, and Mikey is in the mosh pit. Uh, <laughs> of course. And, and 
And uh, they're, they're chilling. They're having drinks. We see some bad guys that are usually giving these guys shit in the streets just watching. And, like, uh, we should go kick their ass. And uh, the manor guy is like, nah, nah, this is love. Not tonight. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a little it, – that little part was a little cheesy, but it was it was just perfectly placed. And we get to the point the turtles are back together. It's not – uh, clan uh, Yoshi oh, no more. Clan. It's oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, it, it's not that anymore. The Foot Clan is now owned by the Shredder. The, we, the, the Shredder hasn't is barely mentioned in this, and they're they're teaching all the young mutants or anyone who's a mutant that wants to learn ninjutsu. It's the Splinter Dojo. Uh, anyone that wants to know awesome. ninjutsu, and we see the cutest little mutant. She like I don't even know what she is. She's white. She's bald. Uh, like she's got like kind of an up, up she's kind of an anime looking turtle, and uh, she's getting picked on by the other the other, the other mutants. Turtle. Yeah, she looks like more of an a, a cutesy anime turtle. I mean, we even get a scene where they're all sleeping, like they're actually getting a good night's rest. Uh, except Donnie, who's up like writing and <laughs> reading comics, and and the the little girl, she's getting picked on after after uh, ninja class, you know. You're you're never gonna be a, you're never gonna be a ninja. You're too little. Like I barely felt that <laughs> hit you gave me. And her her name is uh, her name is Lita, and she's crying. And the the newest turtle, the the woman, is she's telling like she's like I'll never be big like you. And she's like I when I was human I was skinny. Everyone didn't like me. Boys didn't like me. Everyone called me a nerd. And look at me now. And uh, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it. And she's like, "Well, you're a turtle." And she's like, "I was—I've only been a turtle for three weeks, <laughs> for for three weeks." And, and she's like, "It's such a great moment, it, especially from a cultural aspect. From right now, uh, all of a sudden, we there's new rules to play by. Uh, we're 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 quarantined to a certain area. Yeah. We need to express. We need to express ourselves." We also need to be left alone to express ourselves and be trusted not to be a bunch of dumbasses uh, uh, to to calm things down. She's like, Lita, you might you might even be the future. And the the ending is what I was saying with the uh, you know instead of a, the big baddie showing up, we see this black orb show up that definitely looks like uh, homage to the orb that you know of electricity that Schwarzenegger showed up in uh, in Terminator. Yeah. In Terminator. And a, a very obvious uh, grown-up Lita, who looks like a badass, killer tattoos, welding the that's it's it's a little odd to me because I'm I'm confused that they picked this. She's not wielding a weapon, she's wielding that time glass staff from Turtles Part Three that takes them to ancient Japan. Is it the one that uh, Renee has in um uh in uh? The earliest Eastman and Laird books? Yes. Yes. Can you see it? Pretty close. There can be all kinds of time staffs. Yeah, I can see it. I, but it, it's a time staff, so hey, they, if they want to dabble in part three, uh, they've done nothing wrong in any of the Ninja Turtle comic books since they started issue one about ten years ago. Awesome. It's just it, it made me happy. It, it was finally getting to see just a little bit of semblance of, of peace, but not a whole issue of sappy bullshit. I mean, I, you know, I still totally dig that. I definitely don't mind it when you've got 
the drama coming from conversation about, okay, hey, this is a new problem. We're going to have to think about how we deal with it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, The Walking Dead was genius about that. It wasn't all action all the time. There sometimes weren't even any zombies in that book. And then Correct. you've got like the X-Men, you know. Yeah, you could have Professor X on the phone with the Secretary of Defense trying to figure out what they're going to do about Sentinels and... And uh, you could have Henry down in the thing, like, trying to reassemble shattered, you know, Emma Frost, whatever. I mean, these things, right? these are all things that can totally work. Because uh, there's drama enough for anybody when you have these giant eclectic groups like that. The turtles you got to be a little bit more careful about. But that's what's awesome is that their personalities are so divergent. Yet they still get along even when they fight. And they're, and they're brothers too. I guess. I guess this is a question for you then. Do you think that if the turtles didn't have to stick together, and you know they're brothers, do you think that they would, if they could go off and do their own lives? If TCIM said, "Hey, Donatello, come work with us," and like Michelangelo started recording music and decided to make that his life and. Maybe Raph got up and was like, I don't know, they kind of want to make me a movie star or something like that. I mean, do you think that these guys could go away and do all of this stuff? And I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think yes, but only briefly until something happened where they had to get back together. Yeah. And, and to, as, as long as I knew that there was nothing keeping them apart from getting back together other than maybe like an argument – Raph had with Leo ten years ago that obviously they can resolve uh, within the pages of this next hypothetical story. Then yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, though, if you want to break them up, it's going to make me barf. The way in the TMNT movie where Leo's been gone for X amount of years and they're lost, that upset the living dog shit out of me. It, it like it took me a while to calm down in that in that movie. I just feel like the opportunity presents itself for them to get... Like, that's the thing. What I'm trying to get at is that what Tony Stark says in Age of Ultron and in uh, Captain America Civil War, you know? The point is that we're supposed to be able to survive all of this stuff. We put down these problems and then we either have to hand hand the baton off to somebody else or we... We do something that changes things so much that the next space attack can't do anything to us. Or you get, uh, um, even, even most recently when, when uh, in Star Wars, there were the, I don't remember what the title of the issue was, but it was like Poe Dameron's parents who were there at the Battle of Endor as pilots. And like one of them was a pilot and one of them was a, marine or something like that a rebel marine and it was this idea you know hey we're done after this we're not going to keep fighting we're not going to go you know we we destroyed the death star the emperor is dead darth vader is dead we're not going to keep going we we have to have something to live for you know like do you think the turtles could get to a point where they would be like yeah i'm going to go off and do this other thing and i don't see why they wouldn't be able to come back to deal with something but you could just say okay boom five years later or two years later, or something. I guess they wouldn't be. I guess they'd be middle-aged mutant ninja turtles. I think I like your idea, but I don't think it would work because think about like the beginning of Ghostbusters two. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. They're, they're, they're dispersed, but they're still kind of together. Uh, if they had done a longer bit where they weren't together, you'd have lost the audience. Yeah. The, the, same, the same way when you, you hear about, like, okay, great, there's a West Coast Avengers. This is going to be so kick-ass. Can't wait for them to come back. <laughs> yeah right can't yeah. can't wait for them to come back uh or, or how every time you read a she-hulk comic book it always starts with her uh coming back to her law uh you know offices and trying to be a lawyer again but that quickly dissolves to her being back to being you know she-hulk mm-hmm. but trying to make that balance i mean well that's actually a bad example because one of the best things about she-hulk is the balance between her real life and her she-hulk life I really like that you you chose She-Hulk rather than Daredevil, as far as lawyer characters were <laughs> were available to us. Well, I mean, like Daredevil has been a little bit more ingrained that he's he's got that life, and we we're stuck with it. So just deal yeah, with it, yeah. as opposed to introduce it later and expect for us to be okay with the fact that Daredevil and Foggy have not been talking for ten years. Uh, that's just. That that that's a that's a that's a cop out. If you really milk it, you yeah. can do a little bit with it. You can do a little bit with it as a writer, uh, you know, to start the story right. I mean, because right now Foggy and him, they're they're not on the best of terms. Because remember when like Foggy, he he still showed up to Hell's Kitchen, but he got the hell out of there. He brought him his he brought him his staffs. Or, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. His, his billy clubs. It, his billy clubs, and he and then he's like, listen, man, we've got to talk because we there's a lot going on, but. You know, I'm I'm still here. Here you go. Save go be, the city, dude. <laughs> yeah, go go do what you got to do. But we've got other shit to deal with when you're done. Yeah. Uh, but that's because it's been ingrained in the pages of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a great question, dude. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. What do you get next? Take a leak. We cool. gotta take a leak. It's one one hour twenty five and uh, ten seconds. So let's take cool. a second and come right back. We'll finish up. We need like a we need like taking a whiz music that I can play. <laughs> sure, something so silly, like, rather like than, just a little fade. Rather than cut it, ra- just like a little fade. Joshua is like, calling our taking a piss. They're taking a piss. They'll be right back. To you, it seems like thirteen seconds, but to them it might have been five minutes. Could have been ten. Exactly. Could have been ten. All right, go take Could a have piss. been 10. How long does it take to take a leak? Could have been 10 seconds. Could have been 10 minutes. He was probably playing with it. <laughs> oh, no, wait. This time Joshua had to take a dump. We're back. And refreshed. Quite refreshed. I feel so <laughs> fresh. I, I've got that quite so fresh feeling. I've got that quite, quite fresh feeling. Who was talking last? It's been like 30 minutes. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you, uh, you were just asking me about my next issue, and I think I'll go on to <clears throat> Avengers Empire Issue Zero. Alright, help me out with this one, because I'm not ready yet, because I'm <clears throat> wondering how they're going to do this with Null on its way. Um, yeah, that remains to be seen. Uh, this... <laughs> You know what gets me even more is I feel like looking at Thor's costume on the cover, it sure looks like he's still got his Herald of Galactus costume on, but he's got his winged helm. 
So that could be interesting. Uh, this so is we took a break <clears throat> real quick with hanging out with Galactus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so what do we got here? All right, this is going to be the summer event book of the year. Uh, obviously, I, I feel like at the obvious end of this, that this is going to pit the Fantastic Four against the rest of the Marvel Universe, because apparently Strife has to happen in that way. <clears throat> wait, so, wait, 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 hold on. <clears throat> like, Strife the verb or Strife actually the character? No, not don't... the character. I was thinking don't, the same thing as soon as I said that. Don't... Don't get me excited. I love Strife. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, so uh, Al Ewing writes this. Uh, Pepe Laraz is the artist. Uh, and good job. Good job. I liked, I liked the work. Uh, color artist Marte Garcia. Letter G- VCs uh, Joe Caramagna. Uh, it's a uh, Jim Chung and Guru EFX cover. With variant covers, if you're into that kind of thing. Do, do you think that because Karamanga is doing the big summer hit, that, that he's the, the main guy there at VC? Well, we only see like a rotating thing of about three guys, right? Clayton Cowles and who else? There's like one other dude. Sewell? Is that this? Uh, I don't know. There, we even <laughs> we even read one earlier, and it did not po- it did not stick with me. We at Minefields care about letterers. God damn it! We do to- completely care about lettering. And what what gets me is that you ask that question, and I can't come up with it off the top of my head because we know that this isn't somebody sitting there literally writing it all out. It's it's copied and pasted. Virtual and- calligraphy. It's virtual calligraphy. And, like, if you go back to, you know, vintage materials, somebody literally had to have phenomenal lettering penmanship. And, I mean, I'm going to remember that guy really well if he comes up again and again and again. Or a lady, for that matter, although I don't know how often that, that ever happened. Okay, so this story is extraordinarily colorful. If I could say one thing about this there is color, like explosive color, on every single page. Like the layouts are weird because, in some instances because the colors. You have this monster in one place and it's like this is red. And then it cuts to Thor and he's like powering up with lightning. So his entire panel is all blue, blue-white. And then... The next is like a huge explosion, so it's this gradient of yellow to orange to red to black or something because it's smoke. And then something else will just be flesh tone or something will be like iridescent purple. And it's like, this is just, it's not psychedelia or anything. This isn't a uh, Jim Steranko book or anything. It's just, it's just color, so much color. And I don't always notice that. I don't always pay attention to that. Like there are definitely tones and hues in books specifically daredevil lately we've seen a lot of like is you know that is it is it because you're used to it or because it's just not something that catches your eye no for some reason this just really pops this i think this book in particular pops and i i wonder if that's what's gonna i wonder if that's gonna be thematic of the uh entire run but of course, this is a cross-title promotional event. It's going to be like in every different issue, and you're going to have so many different people doing the illustration, doing the coloring, doing the layouts. There's no telling if it's going to be this way. But uh, the book starts out, and it's a long freaking time ago with the 
or, or actually, it's not even. It's a dream. It it is a dream of a long time ago, of uh, the the blue and the flesh colored Cree slaughtering Hutati aliens in tribalish ritual combat, and that's been something they've been leading up to for a while. These plant based aliens that are part of the catalyst for the Cree Skrull hatred. Um, and it's this weird-ass business of Tony Stark waking up inside of a of a frozen celestial. He's like, yeah, I'm a little bit weird. I just realized how weird I am that I put an apartment inside of a dead body, even if it is right. a gigantic dead body. But uh, the, uh, the Avengers get together, and they are... Uh, that's part of the problem is I'm like I don't even know why. I don't I don't even know why. Like it is, I'm having a hard time with with remembering what's supposed to be going on here because there are other things that are more important. Like the setup doesn't make any difference to me. Tony has a bad dream, but then they go someplace and like is, I read this last week and I feel I, like I should remember more. I see what you're saying. It, does does the bad dream have anything to do with him being back in time, and anything to do with the old school? Like, no, no. okay, okay, then then I see what you're saying because I remember when Secret Empire started, uh, no, Secret War, uh, uh, and which one is it? The one that came out four years ago, Secret Wars, Secret, uh, Secret, uh, oh gosh, Battle World, man, Battle World, Battle, yeah, so. No, but it was it was called Secret, Secret. War. Yeah, it was yeah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, when all these kick-ass stories are going along, oh no, all the multiverses are co- coming together. Um, yeah. uh, okay, like um, no, but you know why you don't? I I think you don't fully appreciate that because that had been going on in New Avengers Illuminati. Because I wasn't reading that. I wasn't reading that. I wasn't like, reading they that book. Built up to that for so long, like so twenty four issues, and it was so worth it. That's why it was lost on me. All because yeah. I wasn't I, like th- those those little books that aren't really they're on my radar, but I'm not really that interested in them because maybe you should have fucking told me. Um, oh, dude, come on! <laughs> you think I didn't say something about it? Nah, I'm sure you did. I specifically like, said that because. And I, I can go back to it because of the aspect of what happens at the end of that run with Doctor Doom and Namor in particular, because Namor was part of both the Illuminati and the Cabal. And when the Illuminati were like, we can't do this anymore. We're blowing up planets and we're okay. killing everybody. Uh, okay. And Namor is like, then I got to do it. <clears throat> I get it. So maybe it's amazing. The, so maybe I the question we should be asking from. Yeah, maybe the question we should be asking is which books did we miss that, that could be le- le- led up to this? Nine because Fielders, I feel like I'm reading us. a shitload of them. Yeah. I mean, but the, the thing I'm getting at is like the things that stick with me about this is that for one thing, it's kind of amazing that there's a Cree Sentry, one of those gigantic Cree Sentry robots. Love it. Love it. With love it. Like a tree for a head, basically. Going around, they have to deal with that, and they're like, uh, that's a big deal, because Cree sentries are not something that should be easy to fight. And then the swordsmen coming out of nowhere, 
uh, a reanimated tree version of him. He's identical in every way except he has like a green hue from head to toe. And he's reanimated um, with all of the memories, but they're like, oh, hey, no, hey, it's the freaking swordsman. We haven't seen you like you were dead. And he's like, yeah, I'm not exactly the same guy, but I am enough to know you guys the way you knew him. And you can treat me like him and it's going to be okay. And it's just like, oh, this is how we get a character back? That's whack. So, yeah, but I, I, I do appreciate there's a really nice splash page here I'm going to show you. Where that's awesome. Yeah, it's really that's pretty, gorgeous. Uh, indicate where he's like detailing his little story, and I'm like, you know what? We've brought characters back for stupider reasons and for dumber in dumber ways. So why not? I, I buy fun. this. I don't have a problem with this. Um, <clears throat> but basically, they encounter uh, <clears throat> they encounter Koi uh, Koi. I don't know how to say this name. Q U O I, and uh, he goes by Sequoia. Which why? No, no, why? I Quiet. I can't believe you just said that. I, I can't believe you just said that. Okay. I had a customer today on the phone today that has spelt his name the exact same way and said Quat. Well, that's right. I can't believe you. Just, okay. I, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, he was he was the nicest. Uh, I believe he was Vietnamese. He was such a nice gentleman. Uh, but like. Oh, well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is he part tree? Because this guy's part tree. <laughs> no, the, the the guy was part badass. Bought a house, cash, money. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I you know the the thing that's interesting about this is that these characters pop up through this who are going to be involved in the story coming because this is an issue zero. So you it okay. begs the question: Is this worth paying for? Well, it's setting a precedent to a degree. And it does a good job of that because by the end of this, we have all of this wonderful camaraderie where Iron Man is like, oh, no, I absolutely don't want to see these tree people get killed. I'm jumping on board with this. Carol Carol Danvers is being kind of a dick like she is sometimes, and she thinks she's in charge, but we've got Captain America right here. Like, we don't usually have these event books start where everybody's at the same place at the same time, and they get the opportunity to decide this is a worthy cause for us to go out and deal with. This is something that the Avengers should do. Like, usually well, some we, crazy we, pandemonium goes down and everybody's going, what's going on for, like, four and issues? Then they, and then they get together, yeah, because we talked about that when oh, yeah. uh, we were talking about. Uh... No, great, great point. Keep going. No, we, so what I appreciate. So then they go to the blue area of the moon, and they uh, they're they're dealing with stuff there because uh, how does it get to that actually? Yeah, the Cree created that area at some point, and then what was freaking cool is that. Uh, they know that they need water on the moon, so Thor just whips up a, th a thunderstorm and rains in the blue area, and it allows <laughs> for all of this stuff to to grow, and they get their civilization under control to a certain degree. But they know that the Skrulls, or the, they know that the Kree are coming to kill them, but they also know that the Skrulls are going to get involved in this thing. And at the end of it, the Fantastic Four are riding in on one of their spaceships, with the prophesized bad guys of the situation. So that's what I say. Okay. We know that at a certain point, the, the FF are like, no, we've been out there and we know what these guys are doing. It's going to turn into a fight between the FF and the Avengers at some point, I guarantee. And who knows whether or not mind. the rest of the world is all going to get tied up into it. 
Who knows? It's absolutely going to happen. We've seen the previews. I don't mind that at all because anytime the FF have had to like stand up for something they believed in, everyone got pissed off, and the road to them agreeing with the FF uh, was so fruitious because if you if you're reading FF at all, which if you're not, I highly suggest it. I I, I but I'm still I'm such a mark for it. I, I really can't take my my word for it at any at any cost because I've just been in love with this since I was a child. But uh, the road to understanding why Reed Richards is making X decision that everyone's pissed off about uh, is so fruitious, and you, you you learn more about yourself as a reader. Uh, it's one of the best parts of the Fantastic Four, and and then we get to the point, okay, and it's not just some bullshit like we're gonna fight for half an issue, and uh, you're just flipping until you get to some more dialogue. That isn't just some quippy, you know, yeah. remarks during during it. So, dude, if, if if FF is involved and we've got a problem, dude, I'm I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like they've been probably building up to this for a while, and I know that I picked up that Empire book where it was a bunch of little vignettes, but there wasn't anything to remember out of that, and I don't see how some of that ties in. It's just such a stretch sometimes to pull these stories out of nowhere. Uh, and I know that's the complaint I'm making when we're talking about, hey, what books did we miss that led up to this? Is this what was going on in Avengers for a while? Is this what was going on in something else? Clearly it was going on in FF because they were just out in space and we know that. But, uh, yeah, I think that we'll... I think there will be... The, the, the thing that gets me most is most of this issue was taken from Iron Man's perspective and watching him like see the resolute kind of snarkiness in Carol like that. Like just take a look at the uh, the, expressions the expressions are amazing are very well crafted, um, especially because you can tell it's the same person without it being the same eye style. Yeah, it's always been a bitch on my end for sure. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. We're going to see where this goes. Uh, you know, big space Avengers-type situation. Maybe they can actually have a whole giant battle in space that doesn't wreck the Earth for once, and it'll be a huge precedent that's set for what they're going to do with Kree and Skrull stuff for the next five years, you know, if they want to be that solid. But, uh, yeah, you know, hey, it's out there. <clears throat> I got Immortal Hulk next, man. Immortal Hulk. I'm really digging this issue because it made me want to like and research more a character I've never liked. Uh, that of the leader. I love it when that kind of stuff happens, man. I, I agree. And uh, we still need to do our Immortal Hulk issue, uh, spectacular long box. Uh, but we're talking about how the last issue of Immortal Hulk ended with... Rick Jones actually being the leader, and you're like, how the hell did that happen? That's wild. Uh, yeah, and because uh, it, it built up, built, you know, uh, Rick Jones, is he dead, is he not? His body's missing. We got him. He's through the green door. We get him through the green door. He's all fucked up. He's the abomination now. Uh, we got him out of the abomination shell. Uh, now he's working for us, and now he's the leader. And that's where it ended right before COVID happened. And now we finally get the follow-up and it was spectacular. I'm not going to ruin any of this. 
uh, because it would be doing all of our readers an injustice. I know we obviously you're reading this. We're going to talk about it and tell you what happens at the comic. But this is one of the ones where I'm not going to do it. So let me get to the title page, which is always the last page <laughs> uh, in Immortal Hulk. And I really dig that sort of gimmick because uh, it starts with a quote. And how does this quote pertain to the story? And then at the end, you figure it out. It's not like, oh, uh, you know, uh, it was his uh, his sled. No, no, it's not like that. It, it, it connects it in a very specific way that you have to pay attention to. You have <laughs> to right, pay attention right. to. And, it, and, and it's not the quote that starts the story that is really lighting the stick of dynamite. It's the opposite when you get to the end. And then you get to know the title of the book. This one was The Apothesis of Samuel Stearns. Uh, Al Ewing, writer. Um Butch uh, Guice, guest penciler, who kicked ass at this, by the way. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite art, but he every he he knocked it out of the park for for uh, up and comer. Kick ass job, brother. Keep polishing your your style. Keep polishing uh, your your chops. Keep drawing every day because it really shines. I, I couldn't do this right now. I, I'll get to you maybe in a year in, in regards to how good you are at your art, but you're you're kicking ass at this, and you definitely deserved a shot. At a book like this, because your expressions, uh, the the way you, you did the layout of the scenes, uh, in terms of not just perspective, but where the person of interest is looking's perspective, you went that far, and it resonated. And I have to say that I really hope a lot of other people that read the books have gotten the Immortal Hulk books have gotten this hooked on the book to pay attention to every single little nuance uh, to get that out of it. And, man, kick-ass job. Uh, Tom Palmer gets inker. Paul Mounts, colorist. VC's Cody Pettit, letterer. Corey Alex Pettit. Ross cover. That's one of them. Yep, yep. Okay, so basically we are starting from the leader becoming the leader not being the leader again, the leader inside of him who planned it all along <laughs> for, for a contingency plan if this happened, to learn from a mistake to do better the next time, unfortunately fail, wake up again in Samuel Stearns, he, like a continuous like up, flat, up, flat, down, up flat type if you're looking at a graph like it, but it's still always so going right. up no matter how, how many times it goes down uh his reasoning uh his logic uh why he does what he does uh it, it's not a thing where he's like oh i'm an evil guy i gotta rule the world no uh him hanging out like me the the meat and potatoes of this issue was him hanging out with modok and why they were <laughs> that was awesome so i'm, I'm gonna end it at that and uh, quickly go to uh, Dead Body. Wow, this Dead Body Road. Another one I'm not going to spoil for you guys. Uh, issue one. This is actually a uh, continuance of an older series that I can't believe I didn't know existed. Written by Justin Jordan, uh, Benjamin uh, Tysma, artist, Matt Lopez, colorist, uh, Pat Brosau, letterer, mm -hmm. uh, Mateo Scalera, and Monero Denicio, cover, uh, uh, John Mosian, editor. This is a crime book. Great art. Figure it out. 
it's it like we're, we're talking about a badass woman runs a bar she's not taking no shit but she's also a lady but the the bad guys she encounters it what hammered home to me with this was when she is accosted and she's caught off guard by someone that didn't think that she'd ever be caught off guard she's tied to a chair and this guy's about to do some shit um think about did you ever see the movie hostel no i'm not into that kind of movie cannot okay just can't okay I'm glad you didn't, because if you don't if you don't like those type of movies, then you're not gonna like Hostel at all. That one would have really bothered you. <laughs> um, there was a scene in Hostel where uh, the main guy was trying to get away, and he encountered he walks into the torture rooms and finds a guy that he saw earlier. He's like, "Hey, buddy, get yourself another room," and like he like he just so casually says it, but he's burning an eyeball out of a woman's face with a blowtorch, and and uh, that might just about to happen with a guy that just really hopes that you're going to give him the answers he doesn't want. And it, it had that sort of edge with good crime story. I fell in love with all the characters, including the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. And before, what am I doing? The, the image five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so dead body road. Uh, thinking about doing justice league. Great uh, number forty six. Great continuation of last last issue. Uh, all I'm going to say on that is just do more do more research on the Spectre. Find some great illustrations by Alex Ross, who has a hardcore hard on for painting the Spectre. Figure out why this comics legend loves the Spectre, and then read the last. The two issues of Justice League, actually three issues of Justice League, and the Lolo Woods number six. Uh, a little disappointed because the last issue really knocked my socks off. Um, one of those resolution, like you know, when you, when uh, a horror movie ends, and thank God that was a great story. I can't believe that happened. Uh, yeah. This is a, a terrible thing that happened to these people, but it this issue should not have happened it should have been an extra five pages of the last issue and that was it it should have just ended on five it, it a long drawn out one and the reason i rushed through this isn't because i wanted to rush through them but they they were honorable mentions but i just want to hear you talk about star trek year five man because i love <laughs> i'm hooked on you talking about star trek man um, this is interesting because the previous issue focused around Gary Seven coming to the Enterprise. Gary Seven from uh, uh, Assignment Earth. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to say, I see you pull comic books out of the bag and board. Yeah. Every week, all mm-hmm. the time, whether we're recording or not. Yeah. You pull your Star Trek ones out a, a little bit more gingerly. <laughs> I actually was afraid to touch this thing because, dude, it's an issue 12. Like, nobody, it's not going to make any difference, but I I actually read, I feel like an idiot. Uh, There's just something about this particular cover and the back cover that I knew it was going to take. It's it's the type of paper, it's the type of um, glossiness to it. 
that it's going to take a fingerprint and hold on to that fingerprint forever. Like so, every single IDW book, which yeah, is still good. Which yeah. is still good because we appreciate the paper, but you got to be careful. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'll do this. Uh, Jackson Lanzig writing and Colin Kelly. Artists, Kieran McEwen, Sylvia Calfreno, and Stephen Thompson. They're all over the place with multiple illustrators in this because they're like somebody did these 11 pages and then these three pages and this person did these pages and this person did one page. What the hell is going on? So there's that. Thomas Deere doing oh, some pages on. in the colorist. Huh? Got it. Got to give him a little bit of a of leeway here. It might have been one of those things where they were trying to finish it, and then COVID happened, and they did their best to finish it up to make sure they finished it and got it out as fast as possible. It could be. It's a March 2020 printing, so I guess that makes sense. That you're you, you're right. When when we talked about this initially, I was disappointed because the previous issue had the consistent. Oh, we're having technical issues. At 
figured out what it was. Mm-hmm. It's my connector that hooks the Ethernet to my USB port. Hmm. Could be the trans state phase inducer. <laughs> no, it's because it's a ten dollar bootleg Mac dongle. <laughs> That's a, just about as much technical techno babble as 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 yeah, needs to be. I'm gonna buy. Uh, I'm gonna buy the. I, I feel like I moved weird, and all of a sudden, like it just went. But yeah. because it was telling me I had a weak connection when I reconnected, it's got to be that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna buy the the thirty dollar one, which is an official Mac one. We'll try it one more time. If it's not that, I'll just reformat. Um, this is this is the fourth one that's happened at man. Damn, I'm sorry. No big deal. We're, all right, cool. Uh, last thing I going to say something about subscription. Okay, hold up. I'm gonna clap us in again. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you get that text message. Okay, we're gonna clap in at twenty in three, two. One. So yeah, what I was saying is, uh, we sorry we had some technical issues. Um, so what I was saying is that uh, I was looking for the the date for this issue. It was a March book, so I guess it makes sense that they might have had some problems with uh, trying to get everybody back from the previous issue, uh, get the content to us. So I guess I could uh, I could give everybody a little bit of leeway on that. It's disappointing because the previous issue was done in an artistic style that was consistent for most of the year five issues, and trading over to this was just disconcerting. Um, and I didn't take it into account, the idea that, you know, quarantine might have had something to do with it. Um, but I will say that, say that the... Um, Depictions of these characters still worked out for the most part, uh, but I feel like the backgrounds were particularly lazy in a couple of places. <coughs> Excuse me, a sudden sneeze. <coughs> I can't remember the last time I sneezed. Since I, I haven't been drinking, I uh, haven't been doing outdoor work, I haven't been in sawdust, it's incredible. Okay, so we got Gary Seven inexplicably coming to the Enterprise and saying... That for whatever reason, the future needs the Enterprise to be destroyed. And like, this isn't, you know, they were sneaking around. He and Isis, the cat, were sneaking around the Enterprise for a little bit, kind of invisible. And then they were detected and they forced an evacuation of the ship down to only the captain. Captain Kirk is left on the ship. That's where we left off. But... They knew it was Gary Seven. They knew it was ISIS. I got really, really hacked in this issue because I don't feel like these characters should be fighting. I don't feel like these characters should be hurting each other like they do. Captain Kirk and Gary Seven are fighting so hard and so much that Kirk jabs something in Gary's eye and it's done. His eye is destroyed. And then later in the issue, Isis, who is clearly like a, shape, a shapeshifter, she is seen to be literally ripping the bloody hearts out of Enterprise crewmen, killing awesome. them. Like in her human female form. 
And it's just like, what what savagery is this? Where does any of this make any sense in Star Trek? Where does this make any sense uh, with these two characters in relation to the Enterprise crew? Like, it just seems senselessly over the top. And then she doesn't just turn into a cat. She morphs into a Tholian and a gigantic one at that. Take a look at this. Uh, do you see her there? Like, half Tholian, half yeah. lady? And it's like... Where the hell did that come from? Exactly. Uh, everybody's battling everybody else at a certain point. I mean, the, the Enterprise crew is trapped on the planet... And uh, Kirk is subdued by Gary Seven and forced to send the Enterprise into a power dive that's going to collide with the crew he just rescued by having them evacuate the ship, and it's going to kill them all. Like, there's no explanation. Why? Why does the Enterprise need to be destroyed? Blah, blah, blah. In the end, Kirk barely manages to subdue Gary Seven... Because the Enterprise crew whips up a transporter, beams Spock to the bridge, and they're able to they're able to deal with it. And then you know the Enterprise just misses like crashing into the into the planet, and they consider it a win. But like you just lost a bunch of crewmen to this shape changing cat lady, and. Who's suddenly speaking English. She never had a spoken line in the really? episode. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you. Is is all of a sudden a hidden enemy just showing up like this? Uh, one of the regular type of things they would do in the, in the 60s? Or is this something that's just offensive to you as a writer? Uh, it's definitely irritating as a writer. It's definitely irritating because... Stuff like this in Star Trek is just... This is the kind of crap that they're doing on Discovery. This is the kind of crap yeah. they're doing on Picard. This is... This is... This is taking a book that has been so good and careful about how it's portraying its source material for so long and then just throwing it out the window in one issue. So... I'll buy it if if they can come back three, four, six issues later and explain it. Like, why is it happening like this? That's all I want. In the end, they're like, okay, hey, take us to Earth. We're on our way back to Earth and blah, blah, blah. And we won and we rescued everybody. And, you know, we have our little Tholian friend. I will say one thing that I did appreciate that they, they did in the last issue was um, uh, Navigator... What is his name? Moret, I think? Let me... Oh, Eric's Navigator Eric's was uh, on the Enterprise, and he is, of course, one of the characters that only existed in the Star Trek animated series. And okay. then also um, Moret. Yeah, crewman... Or, She's one of the cat... She's the cat lady. She's literally a cat alien. Uh, they depicted her in this. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I love to see those characters here. Because it would make sense for them to incorporate that. Since... Because the original series cast came back to do the voice acting in that cartoon. It is more or less considered canonical. 
It, is that on the CBS app? Because I just canceled our subscription because we're done watching Picard. I do not know. I don't know if it's on there. I have it all on DVD. Uh, I feel like it probably is on the CBS app. But Star Trek is available on multiple platforms, not just CBS. Like you can watch, yeah, but, watch it on Netflix and Amazon and. Yeah, but the but it's different though because if you watch it on Hulu, it's like the original versions of the TV show as opposed to when you watch it on Netflix when it's been all high defified oh, yeah, uh, right. for, for 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 next gen. Um, oh, the high def on next gen is beautiful. I can't wait it, for the Deep Space Nine. Like, I'm going to rebuy those Blu-rays. I've got it on DVD, and I've been watching it on Amazon and everything, or I've been watching it on Netflix, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it on Blu-ray because it is so... It, it just it needs that treatment. It's such a dark show by way of its lighting and its set design that uh, even when you watch it on BBC America right now in reruns, it's uh, very washed out. <clears throat> Well, hey, man, this has been a kick-ass episode. Yeah, man, we'll get to some of this other material another time. It's, uh, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wind it down. <laughs> it was a very ambitious episode. We kicked yeah, ass, man. Yeah. This is good. I love talking for you minefielders and letting us uh, just go in depth, man. And I know that sometimes you can get to, like, these guys just read too much Frank's French existentialism. That's not the truth. We just read too many goddamn books. <laughs> I want to thank Kenneth Johnson's V for uh, trying to be part of the show again for a second consecutive <laughs> minefields. And that um... is the second time. <laughs> it, it, like we we were about to have him on, but like we just ran out of time. We just ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll make that the first thing, or maybe I'll maybe I'll do a maybe I'll long box long box it and uh, go into it all. But all right, yeah. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. This is dangerous. This transmission is over.